Hello and welcome back to the Red Sector, a podcast about speedy motorbikes. On today's episode, we break down Mizano 2. I'm your host, Matt Polanski. With me, as always, is the creator of the Red Sector, Josh Wilson. Josh, how you doing today, bud? Yeah, pretty good. Um, I'll, you know what, I'm not going to say anymore. Just hand you over to Bunner. It's, it's his show, it's his episode. Yeah, and of course, we couldn't do an episode without the walking, talking MotoGP encyclopedia. Bono, I'm pretty sure we all know how you're doing today, but go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I speak for everybody who is listening in my Fabio group chat in that I am living my best life. I've never had a better week in my life. Let's get into it. Yeah, so uh, it was a it was an interesting weekend at uh, Mizano for the Oh god, I hate this. Grant Bono, you read this the title of the race. Um I believe it is um let me get the official Gran Premio Nolan del Made in Italy. Then it just goes all English and uh <laughs> Del Emilia Romagna. Yeah, that. Uh so <laughs> it's like part Italian and then just made in Italy. Yeah, Gran Primo Nolan de Made in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there, was, there wasn't really any news leading up to this weekend, so we don't have news to talk about. It was all about, you know, can Fabio win in Mizano? Can Pecco battle Fabio and, you know, take it to uh, Portimao in a couple weeks? And, and it, you know, of course, Rossi's last race. Uh on home soil in his home region, you know, but that was really about it. So, uh, we're going to hop straight into Moto three with what I feel personally was a mech kind of race. Um, you had Foggia on pole, uh, at first place with, uh, Jama Masia and Pedro Costa finishing off the podium. I mean, this, I, I don't know. I was watching this race and I'm just like, sort of mad about the whole thing. Yeah, I um I just I came off a night shift so I was I kind of slept in this morning so I didn't catch all of it. Um but I, I don't think I missed much. Obviously the mm. last the last bit when uh, Costa just managed to take third spot or the podium. Mm-hmm. Um you know that 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 was interesting going forward into Portugal because the title fight is hot heated up. Um Mm-hmm. Saying this about uh, Moto Two as well, it, it it's weird because these are two the two that we thought were already wrapped up, um, yeah, a few races ago, and then all of a sudden they've come to life. Uh, you know, Gassi is out, but now we've got Foggia who's gone on this since Silverstone's gone on this just remarkable run of form out of nowhere, um, and now as we're going to get to Moto Two, but obviously we're seeing in Moto Two that. All of a sudden, it's just it's just come alive again. But yeah, it's um, it won the best of races, was it? But I think it's it's like we've had a you know we've had a, a charging the batteries, so to speak, ready for Portimao, which which will be the the exciting one, and maybe Valencia. So yeah, yeah. I um I think with Moto Three, it was more a case of because we didn't have so much dry track time through the weekend, it was kind of whoever took it like took to it as quick as possible. Um, Foggia being a former VR46 Academy rider and on so much like 
confidence and good form at the minute, I think was just the match made in heaven for him to have the confidence to come from P14, I think it was, he started. And he at one point looked like he wasn't even going to like bridge the gap to the main group. And then as soon as he got to the main group, he was just the one that kind of took the uh, ball by the horns. So, I mean, fair play to him. But I think the main topic of Moto3 for me would just be the fact that Acosta has got to do something at Portimao. He, he has to finish on the podium. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you've then got this, like Josh said, Foggier, even at Silverstone, just so good. Like, he looks so confident on the bike, like, overtaking, defending. In general, like, he's just through the weekend, he just tends to gain more and more confidence. And to come from P14 and win, and win, what is it, like, three of the last four or four races on the bounce or wherever it's been? Yeah, three of the last four, because he didn't win at America. Mm-hmm. Um, but one at Misano last, one at this Misano, one at Aragon, you know, got on the podium at Silverstone. He's on such good form at the minute where if he feels like it's a 50-50 chance, he just looks so confident going into any sort of manoeuvre. Um, which is why, even defending on that last lap, I had so much confidence that Messia wasn't even going to lay a glove on him because fodgy has got so much confidence at the minute that he just prevails. So it'll be very interesting because if you actually go back to Portimao in the start of this year, the rider that Acosta lunged so far back on to win at Portimao was Foggia. So they're both very quick and they're both... Yeah, I remember that race, know, yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be very interesting because you've got a rider there that's going to want to get one back on Acosta and is already dominating that class at the minute mm. and a rider that is so young and in such a privileged position to try and defend... What is it now? What's the point gap now, Matt? 21 points. 21 yeah. points. Yeah, because I mean, Pedro Acosta has 234. Fagia has 213. So 21 points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that. I think we can if, kind of skip if, on from over three and just kind of say, you know, without trying to make out like nothing happened. I think the main topic of conversation is let's get to Portimao. Let's, let's just see what happens at Portimao because... Yeah, That's this gonna, was when, a, we're gonna, when it's going to like open. This up. was like a setup for Portimao mm. in a way because it was a meh race, but of course because neither of neither Foggia or um, Acosta crashed out, it was as kind of a setup for Portimao to, mm-hmm. to take that you know to take it to the next next stage, um, which will be interesting. Because what was the gap quickly? What was if you look at Foggia? Back in Silverstone, what was the points deficit there? How much? Points how many to points? Then. How many Probably points like, is he averaging a, a race? I think back then the points was about sixty. Ooh, I can't go back because technically it wasn't even. It was still Garcia who was the yeah the chaser. Because mm-hmm. if you remember, Josh at Silverstone, all the Italians were like leading and whatnot. But yeah. Acosta was part of that group that he was kind of like, I've got to finish in front of Garcia no matter what. Which is kind of what I was saying. I think it was after. When was it? I think it might have been Aragon or the first Misano. In that, if you spend so much time concentrating on just you got to finish in front of one guy that early on, yeah, you've got this other guy that's going to go, okay, cool, but I'm just going to smash it, and that's exactly what Foggia's done. Take nothing, even if he doesn't win this world title, Foggia, like he's had such a good season, like second half of this season, so good. Him and Acosta, if you put those two together, like the Acosta first half. And Foggy oh, in the yeah. second half, you'd probably be on like 400 points. I mean, obviously, it speaks volumes that we're 
we're talking about Acosta defending his championship lead. <laughs> the fact that this is his rookie season. And he's and, 17, yeah. just turned. Yeah. Which soon will be a thing of the past, being that age. So, mm-hmm. mm. but Yeah, so uh, that'll do it for Moto3. Uh, moving on to Moto2. Um, this was a slightly more interesting race, I just feel, because of what it meant for the... Um, for the title or for the championship, like when uh, Raul Fernandez went down, I literally like grabbed my head and gasped because <laughs> I knew I'm like, oh, like he was in second place. Remy's, you know, ba- you know, fighting to stay in the top 10 and trying to, you know, get through riders. And then Raul just like loses it in one of the weirdest ways where my wife, cause whenever I gasped, my wife was sitting at her desk and like turned around to look at the TV and she goes, are they going to show what happened? I'm like, just wait a minute. I'm, I'm processing something here. And, uh, it, yeah, it was just such a wild wreck. Like he was upright. It looked like he locked the front somehow seems and like the front he, just washed yeah. out from under him. Seems like, like he just bricked a tad, a tad late and he's like realized. Mm-hmm. He's probably yeah. realized, oh, I've come to the breaking zone. And that's obviously a split second is all it needs to be in when mm-hmm. you're on them yeah. speeds to think, oh shit, I've 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 overcooked it. And that's well, like, if you're, if you're yeah, if you break a split second later, if you're a little bit wider than normal, so you're not on that war- like the warmer line, so mm-hmm. to speak, and you're on the white line. Mm-hmm. And Mizano this time around, even if it is five weeks after the the last one, it's gonna be colder. So you know, what you would have done X amount of laps on, you know, they did testing the week after that last Mizano. So they were used to that sort of, you know, that's where I can break. That's my, that's my level. Do you know what I mean? And very uncharacteristic from Raul because every, every lap he, you just sort of had it in the back of your mind, like, okay, one more, one more, one more. Like you just, you know, he was never going backwards, was he? He was always going to go forwards. And as soon as he got to the front, you were like, okay, that's it. Like he's just going to clear off. And, Again, we've every time he's got to the front this year, he's not even been challenged. Like he's just gone on and won. So it was so weird when I saw a bike go down. I was like, "There's no way!" Like my eyes were like deceiving me. I was like, "That looks like a KTM, but it can't be a KTM." Do you know what I mean? A bit like with Austin when well, Remy went down. It was like, "Surely not. That can't be Remy." But I do think now, eighteen points is not unrealistic. But with two rounds to go, that's, you know, if Remy just brings it home in like P3 both times, then he's, you know, he's pretty much covered either way, isn't he? So, yeah, I think Remy's been fortunate because he's, his form of late has not been brilliant. Obviously, he crashed out at America. Mm-hmm. Um, it did get to, well, he got, I say not been brilliant, it did get first, second, mm-hmm. second. Um, but uh, in terms of America and then all this weekend, um, so whereas obviously Raul has won the last three races, so his form, he he's in better form going into these last two races, I think Raul. But that could be that could be the decider really because that's a lot of ground to try and make up, and obviously because he's more on the back foot now. He's going to be pushing more and making more risks or taking more risks 
Easily are, one, but I, I do think Raul is the most dangerous when he's on the back foot because if you look mm. at Silverstone, he crashed out, Remy won, and then we we yeah. all said, didn't we? We were like, okay, that's it. Then he it's broke over. his hand, and we were saying, okay, that is definitely, definitely it. it. Yeah. And it was so on the back foot that he yep. just blasted it. Like every race just wins. blitzed it. Do you know what I mean? Other than mm-hmm. even other than the Mizano, everyone was like, oh, but Remy got close. But we're talking about Raul, rookie, broken hand on the back foot, trying to catch Remy, and he still beat him. So, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting one. But, again, you've got, like I've always said, you've got this great prospect when you get to the end of the year where people just think it was, it's going to be the quickest guys that have been, you know, all year. But it's not. You, you get these wild cards that come out of the blue. Ironically, a little bit like Raul in Moto3, where didn't find his feet, didn't find his feet, and he got to the end of the year in Moto3, Turn up to Poimau and beat everyone by 10 seconds in Moto3. Because mm-hmm. you get these people that are just fighting for a job or know that if they need get a certain result, they get a certain path. Like, you know, that you get mm-hmm. that sort of concept. And I don't know, you might see people like Bezeki, Vietti, who's looked very good this weekend. You might get Digi. Um, Augusto Fernandez is looking good. Sam Lowe's has obviously just won. You put all mm-hmm. of their names in the hat. You know, you never know what you're going to get. You you know that the IU boys are always going to be competitive, but Raul on the back foot is dangerous. And if you're Remy, you're not exactly going to be throwing the kitchen sink at it with two races to go an 18 point lead. So, you know, I'm not saying it's all never say never, but I do think it has been wrapped up. A quick point I want to make, and I want your opinions on it. Do you think the penalty that Remy got was fair for knocking off Chantra? Um, because Sam Lowe's commented on it and said, I knocked off Chantra and I had to start from pit lane. You see, the long lap penalty isn't much of a penalty at Misano, from, in my opinion. Um, well, it's more the case of like get? pit lane. Oh, right, yeah. You know, and sort it's... of like starting well, from pit lane is like 20 seconds, 15 seconds down, isn't it? But yeah. it's also one of those things where what are they supposed to do in race? All they can really do is would either be a long lap, a double long lap, or a ride through. And a ride through would have probably been like, people would have been like, oh, is that too severe? But I think, me personally, I think one long lap isn't like, I just think that's poor. Yeah, it's not it enough. It probably should have been a double long lap. When I mean, uh, you, you're about dangerous is... riding and whatnot. Dennis Onchu, I know that's completely different. Dennis right. Onchu just had a two race ban for causing a crash. Yes, a very dangerous one, something that you know, whatever. Remy literally used him to stop and caused another guy's race to end and just had what is basically a two, three second penalty. Right, because it's not a difficult long lap either. Yeah. Now you tell me, if Chantra would have knocked off Remy, would he have had one long lap? Because I think he would have had a lot worse because it would have been you're knocking off a title contender. But the fact it's a title contender knocking off, you know, a, a middle guy sort of thing, you know. It's like, oh, we can't give him a big penalty because then it's, you know. The other thing I can think of, because um, even uh, when it happened, the commentators were talking about it. You know, it was like, yeah, he did you like Remy did use um, Chantra to stop. But at the same time, he, Remy was so like was close enough. Chantra could have so- seen him. And like lift it up a little bit, but instead was like, no, I'm holding my line. 
and what happens happens but at the same time chantra didn't get overtaken going into the corner he got wiped out middle of the apex right he's middle imagine you're you know chantra you've you've hit you've got on the brakes you you know you're almost like leaning into that corner yep i'm good and as you're going in somebody as your mid corner smacks you at the side you'd be saying well what have i done wrong you know and he he clearly did something wrong that's why they penalized him but one long lap like yeah i definitely feel like it wasn't yeah i don't want to just play devil's advocate and be like oh well let's just make it fair because raul's crashed so let's make it like you know where it's still level pegging i just think if it was chantra knocking remy off it wouldn't have been one long lap it would have been two long lap if not a ride through right but that's just my opinion um i could be you know people could disagree but i just think it was a little bit lenient because of who it was yeah so uh I just realized we didn't pick a rider of the day for Moto three. John McPhee because he crashed. I'm using your excuse because <laughs> <laughs> he's British and he crashed. If he crashes, then and he's and he's giving it a good go. You know, I always got told at school it's the taking part <laughs> that counts. So <laughs> John McPhee gets it for me. Uh, you got one, Josh, or um, God. Dennis on you. I mean, he didn't take part, but yeah, <laughs> I know I shouldn't. I'm oh, joking. Um, oh, I'm joking. Oh. Um, God, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's I was even going to say, just take Fadia, like you always take nah, the winner. I'll do, I'll, I'll just go. Sorry, if I'll, I was to give it anyone, I'd give it Nepper. If we're being yeah, genuinely serious, Nepa did quite well, didn't he? He, he mm-hmm. seemed to bat above his average in that race. Um, mm-hmm. Ah, God. Um, Acosta. They're getting that podium at the last last corner. That was good. Or the last last bit of the race. I respect the fact that you're giving props to Acosta because he's not not won. Do you know what I mean? Like People are like, if he doesn't win, he's had a bad race. But... Yeah, how dare you? Yeah. He's past his best. He's, mm. <laughs> he's, coming, he's, he's, on, he's in the twilight of his career. Yeah. <laughs> um... I'll take Acosta because he started from way back and was able to get onto the podium and at least try to save some points in the mutual ride of the day. Don't know. Yeah. I don't know how that'll go down. <laughs> um, but so Moto, do, the reason r- that yeah, I was going to say you ask him r- because the Moto Two rider of the day. R- yeah, it, that's what made me think about. It. I'm like, well, we should get on a rider of the day. I'm like, oh, we didn't do three. I mean, um, it, it wouldn't be wrong in doing a Josh here because Sam Lewis did win. And I'm not going to pick Sam, but just on the topic of that, great ride. Like, genuinely mm-hmm. great ride. But I'll be honest, and I don't mean to just dismiss the fact that Sam Lewis won. As soon as that race was done, my heart rate was over 200 miles. Like, it, my my everything bodily functional <laughs> just went south. I, I just, yeah. Like you, you could have put me, like in some psychiatric ward, and I wouldn't look out of place. Like genuinely, I couldn't sit still. <laughs> I was sweating. Like everything was just going mental, and they'd not even got out the paddock yet. Like I was just completely not in the right zone. So I'm not going to pick Sam. I don't know who to pick though. Vietti, because I mentioned him earlier. I think Vietti okay. had a great ride, and he's come on very well this year. And again, rookie. 
Moto two rookie is ten is like the hardest rookie to be in a way. I think a GP rookie, if you get points, it's like, oh, it's great. But if you're, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're a Moto two rookie and you get anything less than top six, it's like, eh, oh well. <laughs> so um, yeah, Vietti, I'm going to give it to. Uh, Josh, who are you going with? Uh, Navarro. I'll let you have the other boss. What, what, how would you say? Boscoscaro, <laughs> B21. Boscoscaro. <laughs> I'll let you take no, me I'm actually going to take Augusto Fernandez. He had nice. to serve a double yeah, long yeah. lap. True, true. And yeah. still finished in second place. Was it a double long or was it just a single? Yep. I thought it was a single. No, it was a double. Wow. Yeah, I completely so, forgot. I didn't forget, but you reminded me of um, the I penalty. I thought it was a Kalex 1 2 or a. Or a Mark D- yeah. DDS one too. Just sort of forgot about that. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Very good week. I mean, yeah, I almost took uh, Kanet because he was like he was in the lead for a little bit on that Boscus girl. I'm like, oh, he's really working that thing, and then he. Yeah, I'd have probably given third. it Aaron Kanet if is um. I mean, it's not really his fault, but his bike just like burped, didn't it, on the on the last mm-hmm. on the last street? He just what, ran um, out. What? Who was he moving to next year? Ponds. Is that a Kalex, I'm assuming? Yeah, he's moving to a Kalex for Pons, yeah. So the Boss Boss Gora is like, it's kind of like, if you remember the speed-up chassis, it's basically like a rebranded uh, speed-up chassis. So, yeah, the Kalex is definitely the most competitive chassis to be on. And I think it's just been a case of, mm-hmm. he got sniffed at at GP teams, but I think he knows that the consistency of the Boss Boss Gora is not great. And in order to be consistent, you have to be on a Calix. And the Pons team is a very good team, just not been very competitive in the last few years. So it's going to be Navarro and Canet, I think, is the lineup next year for Pons. So, yeah. Yeah. Time to move on. Yeah. The, so the, the reason. <laughs> yeah. So moving on to Moto th- MotoGP. We got Mark Marquez went in with Polis Barger in second, Anaya Bastianini in third. And take coming in fourth, your MotoGP world champion, Fabio Quattro. Fabio, oh, oh, Fabio, oh, oh. (laughs) But uh, before we get to him, I think the biggest thing was Pecco leading from pole was pulling away from the pack and Mark chasing him down. At one point, they were like eight seconds ahead of Polo Spargaro and Miguel Oliveira in this second little pod of racers. And then I forget what lap it was. Well, well, many it went down, it was about six to go, wasn't it? Something yeah, like that. Single figures. All I remember is seeing how many, many laps it was to go. And then I just remember seeing like the last lap because in between Pekka going down and the last lap, I wasn't watching much racing. <laughs> I was, um, yeah, I was in a different decibel level, to be honest. (laughs) Okay, Uh, I think it was lap 23 or 24. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's crazy when he went down because I, for some instantly, I thought they were showing a replay of um, Miller, yeah, Miller going down because mm-hmm, Miller went down the same corner. That's what it was I thought. Similar, and I thought, oh, just showing a replay again. And then it dawned on me. I was like, oh no, no way, I can't <laughs> be it. And I thought, Jesus, that's that's Banyaya. 
Literally, like the next time I saw a screen was when I looked down on my uh, phone about two laps to go, and I think Armo put on Twitter like some someone check on Bono, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, someone ought to because I've I've just <laughs> gone off the ropes already. I whenever I saw that bike flip, because like I I had the similar thought. I'm like, whenever I saw the uh, Ducati, I'm like, what what is just what is happening right now? And then I saw Mark behind. I'm like. Oh no, that's Pecco. And then, like, I immediately like got this film. Like, I don't. I feel sick. Like, I feel like I'm gonna throw up all of a sudden. <laughs> it was just like, like that feeling of like, because I, I was really hoping like, yeah, Pecco was out in front. Mark, yeah, the commentators were even talking about like, uh, it's just like Aragon. Pecco's out in front. Mark's catching him. If Mark tries a move, Pecco's probably going to get back. It's going to be the same thing over and over. And I'm like, all right, we're keeping this championship alive. And it was like that feeling of like, oh, it, it's over. Like yeah, Fabio's won. It's a weird one. And it was just like, oh, now the like the fun's out of it now. Well, you know, it, the, it was it, weird. It's kind of like, I want to say ironic, but it was in a way because basically the lap before Mark, up until the last couple of corners, was three or four tenths off. He was typically stalking, as he normally does. And then he actually ran, like, wide into turn 15. He was very cautious, which mm -hmm. didn't give Ducati enough time to say to Pecco, he's dropped down to eight tenths behind him. I don't know if you remember, but he dropped to, like, eight tenths. And that's yeah. when Mark came out yep. and said after. I knew at that point I did not have the tyre left to chase after Pecco. So Pecco went into the lab that he crashed, thinking he's still behind. I need to still keep this pace up. Otherwise... I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get dobbed. And then he goes all the way around to turn 15, thinking he's right behind him. And Mark must have thought, Christmas morning. You know, I've laid off there. thinking I'll let him have it. And Pecco's like, he's right behind me. When Ducati are probably thinking, I... get around at the end of this lap so we can say, you you don't he's have to back. go full blast. You know what? Like, just I'd, chill. I don't like them dashboard um, kind of updates, to be honest. Oh, the messages, you mean? I don't like, because that's what he's yeah. seen, Pecco... We'd have seen the dashboard message saying he's like point two, you know, he's right on mm. your ass. It's like with Paul in Austria when he got That's that dashboard. Made, that message. is exactly what made me think when he got the the pit board message saying Miller's zero point zero behind you when he actually wasn't. He was like yeah. point eight behind him, point seven, and he went really like, defensive. And I just think mm -hmm. sometimes you got to think right, just leave him to it, mm -hmm. um, because we know from that point Banyaya was probably pushing it, thinking that um, Marquez was going to try and uh, dive bomb any, any corner when he wasn't. Um, and it is, it is disappointing. Obviously, a laugh and joke, but I'm not, I wasn't th being anti quarter hour or anything, but it's, you know, it's disappointing for it to end that way. Definitely. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, for sure, yeah. And I was gutted for him. Miller as well, because I think that played a part because Miller wasn't there to fulfill his role as rear gunner. Yeah, I just tweeted, he right. got down straight away. <laughs> and yeah, it was just, it was a bit anticlimactic, and I think I feel like Quartararo. I'm sure it was brilliant for him to obviously win like that, but at the same time, he probably wasn't mentally prepared to win to win that that race. I think he was mentally prepared to win in Portimao or something or Valencia. I, yeah, I think Fabio was very much in the mindset of get knowing the the gap to the top four: Miguel, mm. Paul, Mark, Pecco. I think it was very much in the mindset of P5 amazing result from p15 and yeah take it to portugal and it'll be absolutely easy to wrap up because i know how quick i'm around it so mm -hmm. 
in a way, I know what you mean with it being like anticlimactic because it kind of it wasn't like a sour note. It was just like you knew no. Pecco of how good Pecco is around Mizano, and you knew how well of a ride Fabio had had. You kind of wanted to see them both have a good ride, and then it go down yeah. to Portugal, and it just be sort of. I'm talking from a neutral point of view. Obviously, me being thing, I. I I wasn't that fussed, but from a neutral point of view, <laughs> yeah. you, you do want to see it go down, down to Portugal because you want to see that they've finished on merit, not on error, so to speak, which is kind of merit. But you know what I mean? Like, it, The thing is, with Turn 15, is there's so many crashes, Moto3, Moto2, and GP. 90% of them, they didn't do anything wrong. Nothing mm. wrong. And the, the bike just completely washes out underneath you, and that's that. But, well, you know... It is what it is. And they even talked about it um, during the commentary. The reason why is because it, a lot like Saxon Ring, they spend so much time because uh, there's from basically, yeah. I forget what turn it is, but there's a left-hander. And then from after there, you make the U-turn onto the back straightaway. And from there, it's all rights. Yeah, it's like until you get to turn 10. 15. It's like right, 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 yeah. right, 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 left. It's all right, and then turn 15 is the first left, so the left side of the tire is completely cold. And when they hit it, it just doesn't have the grip anymore. Especially yeah, with yeah, Pecco yeah. and Miller being on the uh, hard rear tire. Uh, Obviously, yeah. you've, got to, mm-hmm. you've got to do a lot more to keep that rear tire warm, but also not burn mm. it out and then be left with the slowest tire on the grid. Right. I think that, that what caught, that's probably what caught Banyaira. It, it doesn't... It doesn't cover Miller crashing because it was. I think it was too early in the race on the hards for him to uh-huh. crash yeah. out. But Banyaya at that point, maybe due to the I don't know the surface and the air temperature and stuff like that. It's just the hards weren't there. You'd think automatically hards mean longer, like F1, but it's right. not because you're on two wheels. It's totally different, and it? it's totally different kettle of fish. Yeah, that's um, why most people think that if you go for a quali lap, everyone's going to go soft front, soft rear, soft front, soft rear, soft front, soft rear. And it, mm, it's never right. the case. Never the case. I mean, Mark, before his injury, used to be notorious with having a hard front for qualifying. And people like used to question it, thinking, why on earth would Mark go for a hard front? But because he used to put so much pressure on the front end, because obviously you see all these miraculous saves and whatnot, because he put so much pressure on the front, he would need... <laughs> that durability of a tyre to last on every corner that he did that on to make it to the end of the lap. But also people think, well, can't he do that on a soft? Well, no, because he'd overheat the front that it would just completely fold. Yeah. And the the hard tyre, he would be able to like go out on an out lap and then blitz it on a flying lap. And it'd be like, that tyre's mm-hmm. wrecked, but it's got me the best. It's got out the, you know, in each corner, mm. it's got out more than what it should have. And I'm the only rider that can push the front that much and get away with it. So that's why I always used to do well with a hard front and quality. But again, and it's that dynamic of having a different compound on for front and rears, which can make all the difference. Because the both have to, you know, push and carry each other along. You have to have that right mixture. Um again, going back to F one, they're all all four tires are the same. It's not like the two fronts are different. And being four wheeled, it's not as much as a it doesn't it doesn't matter as much. But in MotoGP, it's such a a big thing. I mean, every time someone crashes, you can think, oh, instantly, oh, he's overcooked that, or he's brake too late, or something like that, which obviously, like we've seen with Fernandez, happens. But a lot of the times, it's just down to the tyre strategy and the tyre choice. Hmm. And that's yeah. what makes MotoGP so interesting, or one element of it, is is tyres. Even though on the surface, tyres are 
dull, you know, the basic, you know, our, all of our cars have them, but they're so exciting. It's so exciting, the technology and, and how, how that affects a race. Yeah, I think Fabio I... said as well, he said, I've tried the soft rear um, going into Misano, like the last Misano and whatnot. And if you remember, Fabio did so well to catch Pecco, but just didn't have that last tenth to sort of have a go at him. Is why he went for the. I think he went for the medium this time. I, I could be talking out my ass if this is completely wrong, but um, I believe he went for the medium rear because he said, "I want all the hard rear. I can't do the soft again and come from P15 and then get to the last ten laps and be able to hold." There's up. nothing. There's nothing. Yeah, there's left nothing left. But Pecco, knowing that he's going to be leading or he's going to be in that front two, it's going to be either him or Mark with the pace that they can set. You know, knowing that. Was the hard tyre really the best option? Mm. In hindsight, maybe not. But at the same time, if it had treacled back, knowing, like I said, in hindsight, knowing that he could have taken a tenth off of each lap and maybe just eased off around turn 15, knowing that Mark couldn't keep up with, even within a tenth of him, we could all be sitting here now going, he's gone to Portugal, great choice from Pecco, managed it brilliantly on Kidori, but because that... Illustrious turn fifteen caught him out on a mm. on a hard rear tire. We'll all sit here and yeah. say it's a bad tire choice, but it is fine line. That's yeah, that it, is is. What it is. I mean, I found it interesting that apparently Rossi told him to um to put the the mediums on or the softs, and the Banya decided to go with the hards, which I found a bit interesting because apparently I saw an article on Twitter or someone said on Twitter Rossi C apparently was quite annoyed with Banya. For making that choice or not or not going with his recommendation, which I guess because he's part of the VR forty six kind of group of of riders, it, you would you would um, not expect him to heed Ross's advice, but you can imagine why Rossi was a bit peeved. I mean, there's two sides to every story. You could Pecker mm. could say, "Look, I wanted to go with the media." Yeah, I'm going to. Everyone at UK could have said. No, you're going on the hard. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, maybe so. Or the imagine Michelin if did... man in in Ducati could be saying, "No, yeah, you need imagine, to go on the hard." Imagine if he'd have chose, he'd have chose Rossi's um, preference and crashed out. Then I yeah. would have. Yeah, you, know, you can sit there for having a day and sort of so, like mishmash I mean, it. But... it. Yeah, it was it was a shame, but I think it's not like this was the last race of the season, and it all came down to this. We knew, mm. we all knew that. This was Quartararo's to lose, and mm-hmm. this was Quartararo's championship. The way he's ridden this season has been outstanding, and that Banyaro had left it too late. The big what if for me through through the season is what if Banyaro had won at Magella and not crashed out? Would he have gained that confidence earlier on and had that momentum? It's the same. Like, what it's if, a massive what if. Yeah, it's the same what if for me in that what if the stars had aligned for Fabio and his arm wouldn't have given up exactly. a Jerez, and he wouldn't have had the leathers thing at Catalonia. We could be looking at a guy that had gone into Catalonia, won at Assen, Magello, yeah. Catalonia, Jerez. We're doing wrapped up by now. And you would be yeah. going into the second half of the season going, we have got no chance. Like no, He would have already been yeah. so far in front that nobody would have even... Pecco would have just said, he... he's off. The fact that he saw that chink of light to say, there's a chance, has put the, you know, the perspective in a in a different line, mm. but you well, know, that, that's what I mean. That maybe sort of with Quartararo, he, his season's been flawless because them are the only two mistakes, and the way even they will his. be on his control. And yeah, th- this is a perfect example of a, 
of a season that can be flawless without it being like a Mark Marquez 2019 style flawless. Yeah. One where you dominate, but you well you dominate the season, but you don't dominate by winning every race. You're just consistently good. You, um, I think it's like maximizing your performance in every yeah. every race, and mm-hmm. I totally agree with you because you look at Fabio this year, and I mean we we will be doing, and whether Matt and Josh want to do this, I can tell you now, I will at least be doing a Fabio season review. So this will be <laughs> an extended version of. But in in short, you look at races like Le Mans where the Evans have opened, and you instantly think. In line fours, sack it off, you've got no chance, and he gets it on the podium. You see Hareth, where his arm goes and he drops all the way back down, you think, well, you know, that could have been his chance to extend it or whatnot. But then you also go back to like Qatar, where you've got these, you've got both the Pramax that look so dominant. You've got coming into it Miller, who's flying through testing, and you think Yamaha Mm -hmm. to win at Qatar. Maverick won the first one, but Fabio turned around in the second one. And was you know amazing. Just certain races that I look back on that he maybe not Saxon Ring another one. You know Marquez and Oliveira flew in that race, but Fabio knew yep. I can't run with them, but I'll take next best thing. Like in America, yeah. that is where if you're racing against him, it must be so annoying because even if you like Marquez, oh, I've won in Austin, in Austin. And I've beat everyone by nine seconds. Oh, brilliant. But you're still one place in front of Fabio. So you've, you've got to then beat him when he's at his best, which is, yep. you know. Everyone's bit else has been on the back foot this season. Yeah. Um, and it was performances like at Limon. Like we know that if if Quattro has got an Achilles heel, it's riding in the wet. He's not kind of mastered <laughs> that. I think it's the Yamaha and, and the Suzuki's, aren't they? They're, they're very poor in the wet. I think yeah. that's pretty easy to, I mean, you look at, Q1. I think there was mm. only one in line that wasn't there, and that was Morbidelli this weekend. But yeah, if, even if you look at like Austria at Bindowan when it was raining, I think Quartararo did finish seventh or something there. But yeah, it was still it, it was still a good good enough result. And yeah, sometimes he, he ultimately in, he brought he brought back a handful of points that you thought, well, you know, even like Pecco got second, big gap, second to seventh. But Fabio still picked up points every ah, single time. He, yeah, he's, yeah, even his poor races has still been good enough, and he he hasn't DNF'd a race either. Um, yeah, I mean, t- obviously the arm pump one. Obviously, what, what did he fit? Did he get a, like single points in the in the arm pump? But I'm to say that's say, the closest he's come to kind of DNFing. Yeah, I think he finished like thirteenth um, or something. It's it's incredible. He's he's he on a, this this season. His form has been outstanding from the get-go and it it's not anticlimactic but going into the season i think we all expected it to be more competitive than it has been not in a bad way because we've had that many podium sitters or or not podium sitters, but people on the podiums it has been competitive but in a sense of a championship fight early on yeah you had Zarko in there as well um a couple more miller but then really it went down to three, and then obviously Mia dropped off because that Suzuki just just isn't it's just not competitive in in qualifying and really in race days it hasn't been the best. And then really you just had Quattro pulling away. Um, I just thank Bangnyaya for making it a bit interesting. Mm. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what mm. though, I think 
at the end of it all, the one of the biggest praises that I give Fabio, and I don't think as of today, no one's really given him that praise. I know the end of the day, he's won a world title and that's, you know, the, the feat to achieve that's insane. But when, when I look back at this year, I look at the fact that he's won that, that title one legged. And I know people say, mm. well, Mark's done that, but that's Marquez. I'm talking about people that have had to come through and you look at, look at me last year. He had that right-hand man, even though he was fighting for a title, Rins. Rins was competitive at the end of the year. We was taking points off of competitors. Fabio's not had that all year. Not once. Not one Yamaha has sat with him in any race other than Assen with Maverick, and now he's gone. That's one race. Other than that, yep. Fabio has never had a wingman. He's never had a bodyguard or anything like that, whatever you want to call it. He's never, ever had qualified on the front row of the grid, and there's a Yamaha next to him just to have that cushion of in case I get dobbed going into the first corner, I've got me my other Yamaha. Look at Mugello, Austria, all of those races, he's always been fighting on his own on a bike that is slowest in a straight line, which if you're starting, obviously it's going to be a straight line to the corner, first corner, and you don't have another one of you next to you, you are very, very, like, you know, outweighed. You've got, and they didn't have a start device for the first yeah. four or five races. When you've got 20 Ducatis breathing exactly. down your <laughs> Yeah, Exactly. I mean, look at, um, was it Qatar, the first race? Not Doha. I think it was Qatar, where Martin came from, like, bloody, yeah. bloody like, P93 and came, <laughs> like, to fourth in the first corner. But mm -hmm. when you don't have any of that, and you've had to do it all on your own, and you've never had that. I mean, don't get me wrong, Peko this year has been brilliant. When When... When Pecco's been on it, Pecco has been amazing to watch. Absolutely no doubt. Right. But even coming into this race just, Pecco would have felt so much more confident knowing Miller's there. So if I get to that first corner, Miller's not going to dive at me. And if anyone dives at Miller, he'll dive at them to cover me. Fabio has not had that at all this year. And I'm not saying that that is what everyone should have. But when you look at, like Josh said, when you look at Ducati this year, and next year, they're going to have, what, eight Ducatis Even on the more, grid? Yeah. You know, Yamaha, all well and good. But my thing is with it is that I beg to God that uh, Frankie is fit. And Darren Binder is what they make out that he is, is this great rider that's going to turn up and, you know, be competitive. Don't get me wrong, I think Darren Binder's a great rider, blah, blah, blah. But do I think Dobby's going to be competitive enough? No. Do I think Darren Binder's going to hit the, the you know, hit it from the off no. no so again you're left with frankie and fabio and if frankie's not fit by then fabio is then fighting again on his own so mm -hmm. that's what it's... i credit fabio the most on that people tend to just discard that yeah, is I've, unreal that is, this year that just makes his achievement even more surreal and amazing what he's managed to do this season but like you said um morbidelli pulled out quite a good result today um mm -hmm. where did he finish well, you say that, but he actually did drop. He dropped more than he did. He oh, dropped down to fourth. He was, it was yeah. going well, but I think the knee just gave in, to be fair. He, he was oh, going uh, well. Yeah. Um, next season, I think it's paramount that Quartararo needs someone with him. He yeah. needs mm -hmm. a wingman because Eight I wanted to mention that next season we've got a Marquez that's returned to form. We've got a Banyaya who now we know... what. Because he's won a race, we we know what he's capable of. You're gonna have me um, that's wanting 
his his title back. You know, yeah, Suzuki we, pull it have, out. We're gonna have Mew wants to prove all these haters wrong that he he's capable of of def- well not defending now but capable of winning a world championship. Um, and you never know, you might have a couple of other surprises. Oliveira might decide that he wants to get involved. Brad Binder might decide that he actually wants to do something on a qualifying Saturday. Um, who knows? It's going into next season because of hopefully how competitive it'll be and because um, engines are obviously going to be off. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, obviously because engines have... are going yeah. to be allowed to... Is it is it a total redevelopment again? Or... I think from um, from this year onwards, yeah, you're allowed completely, compl- like it'll be back to normal, sort of, mm. you know, new engine, new chassis, new this, new that, it'll be completely revamped. So, yeah, it's it's paramount that Morbidelli gets up to fitness and can support Guattararo, because obviously he's going to be the main man at Yamaha, no question, and he's going to have a lot of competition next year, next season, which obviously will come to in a, a future episode, we can talk more on that, but... It is it is something. It's probably Yamaha's weak weakness at the moment is only having one. It's like not to keep mentioning F one, but the fact that Verstappen has always struggled when it's just been him, and mm. it, it it shows that even though they're both different it, um, categories, when you haven't got a teammate, no matter what you're in, it puts you all on the back foot. So to for a quarter hour to have achieved what he's achieved, um, yeah, it's incredible, really. Yeah. Your thoughts it's, on him, Matt? Uh, I just realised me and Josh are yeah. just coming on a tangent. <laughs> well, he's he's staring into the black hole that is Red Bull KTM at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll get on to that. Um, but now nah, I like like you said. I mean, yeah, and even the commentator said he Yamaha has the chance to take the triple crown between rider, team, and manufacturer. And it's been all Fabio. You know, yeah, um, Maverick was there in the beginning, but Maverick wasn't doing well. He was either crashing or finishing way down the field. Um, when Maverick quit, got let go, whatever, there was like a, a race where Yamaha was like, it's just Fabio. We're not putting a second bike out. You know, he's on his own. Then you got Cal Crutchlow coming in, who didn't give two shits about where he finished. How he did. He well, was I mean, like, if you I'm put here to close shoes. You, he you're, not, you're not going to go yeah. bullet a gate, are you, when you Cal no. Crutch, You know, when you he know that there's a... no longevity. Yeah. You, 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 in a way, he was... you're testing, but you're picking up a paycheck and it's like, you know, hunky dory. But on that point, day, yeah. yeah, yeah. On that point, yeah. of all the races to put Fabio on his own, and I know they didn't pick this because they didn't think Maverick start revving the engine at Austria 1, so it makes it harder for Austria 2. But of all races, Austria 2 to race on your own as Yamaha, when everyone's got data and you're the slowest in a straight-line bike and it mm-hmm. rains. <laughs> like, yeah. in, all of those added up is the worst combination you could ever <laughs> imagine for a Yamaha. But... It's like whatever. It's like you see in the movies where, like, somebody's down on their luck and you just keep piling more stuff. It's <laughs> like, okay, we're going to a track. Uh, where the Yamaha are the fastest. Oh, by the way, you're by yourself. Oh, by the way, everybody else has more information than us at this point. Oh, by the way, it's going to rain. Oh, and by <laughs> the way, it's Red Bull Ring, which has about 300 straights that are about three miles long yeah. each. <laughs> <laughs> you 
you couldn't write but, it to be any worse for him and still we're sitting here now two races to go and he's already crowned world champion like i don't care if it's blowing yeah. smoke up his ass or anything like that the guy this year mm. you have to tip your hat to him i don't care if you're yamaha if you're honda if you do catty or whatever this year and i said it a few weeks ago when josh tried to wind me up in saying that he'll crash at Mizano <laughs> or whatever but i did say i said confidently a he deserves it and b when he does do it everyone will look back on it and say fair play like i tweeted earlier if pecker would have won the world title i tweeted before the race and put if he does he deserves it because if he's pulled that off mm-hmm. with 52 point you know gap in three races and wins a world title you deserve it but yeah if Pecco does win it, if Fabio does win it, you can't deny he doesn't deserve it at all. Oh, no, no. There's, there's no one out there who will be like... It's not like last year when you still get people saying Mia didn't deserve to win. That's not mm-hmm. even going to be a, a debate for 2021. Well, well that's, that's a no... bollocks excuse anyway. Yeah, that, I know what that's, you mean. Yeah, it's, it's bullshit. But this season, there, there shouldn't be a single person on this planet who will say that. The, the yeah, and if, if you do, and I'm not just saying this, you need to go and watch a different sport. If you think that Fabio doesn't deserve what he's, what he's got this year, and if you don't think Pecco deserves to be where it, or, or whatever, if, if, you, if you're one of them that says Mir didn't win it properly, or you know Fabio's won it by a fluke and he's not done it by a full calendar or anything like that, honestly, pack your bags and it's off to another sport because <laughs> you, you, you're chatting out your arse if you're saying anything like that. Yeah. Sorry to be blunt, but you, you are. And it's, I mean, it's true. You know, like you said, if anyone deserved it, it was Fabio for what he went through last year where he had it. And then he sort of just like mentally fell apart, gets up to the factory team, you know, is able to, you know, g- going into a factory team. Taking with Rossi's somebody seat as well. Taking Rossi's seat. to So you're filling Rossi's seat. You're going up with a teammate who's been there. For how long had Vignal has been there? Like 17, 18, eight 19, years? 20. So he was in it going into his fifth year. With Five, fifth year. And so basically, that team has been like sort of molding itself. Mind mm. you, Rossi was there too, but molding itself around Vignalis and to go, okay, watch what I can do. And as well as that, I'd been promoted instead of Morbidelli, who arguably had mm-hmm. a better Rossi season Link. overall than yeah. in 2020. Then than Quattraro did. Um, yeah, because so of his fall off in the end of the year, yeah, it was very, it was question marked of like, have we picked the right guy? But again, credit to the yep. man, because even like Josh mm. said, the two races where you think, oh God, with Catalonia and Hareth, they weren't even his fault. And people say Catalonia's his fault. I'm sorry, but the guy's not chose to have his leathers open up or anything. You know, he wouldn't have picked that to happen. So, <laughs> Nobody whatever still you want to... knows how yeah, that happened either. Yeah, exactly. So, even the fact that he's had that thrown at him and he's still world champion and with two races to go and won what? Mm-hmm. Five races? Qatar, Mugello, Assen, Silverstone. What else did he win? Uh, he's won one more. I'm pulling it up think. right Portugal? Now. Did I mention Portugal? They're no. the five. Portugal, Qatar, Silverstone. Um, I, my mind's gone completely blank. I can't even think. But yeah, I think he's won five. Mugello. Magello, yeah. uh, so you got the um, second Qatar, Portugal, Magello, Assen, and Great Britain. Yeah. And then he was third at France, Germany, Styria, 
second at I'm Mizano, guessing that's Mizano two, one and the US. If yeah. anything, the less races you win in the season, it just shows how consistent you've been to become world champion. Like Mia. You know, yeah, like Mia, but he, he won so Quattro won five races, which is still a lot of races in a MotoGP that's very competitive, but usually you think, Oh, did he only win five? How come he's he's won with like two rounds to go? It's because of the fact he's finished he's been so consistent. Second, third or placed high. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but again, that's like, what makes like that's you what said, makes you a world champion. Was his worst. Exactly, consistency yeah. is key. And I mean, uh, the fact that it's Hareth was his worst. A, you didn't crash. B, you picked up points, and C, you finished with arm pump. Yeah, for yeah, for years to come, this season, Quartararo's championship winning season in twenty twenty one will be kind of the the benchmark of consistency to mm-hmm. be. Obviously, you have 2019 Marquez, who was just yeah, on the that, That's just different breed. Oh. That, that's, when, yeah. that's when you've got oh, a rider we... and a bike that, when match made in heaven, nobody, could else jump, nobody else could jump on that bike and be competitive, and he's just astronomical. Right. And everybody, you know, I think, admittedly, you know, Yamaha were poor that year, Ducati were all right, but they, you know, they had to be on the day. And credit to Marquez yeah. and Honda that year, they were just, they were just unreal that year. But... Again, like you say, I think people will look back on this year and say, even when he wasn't winning, that's what you got to do. It's like when Mark won his first couple of world titles and then he lost 2015, it was because it was either win it or bin it. And then 2016, mm-hmm. he won a world title. 2017, he was better. 2018, he was better. And 2019, it was like, if you can't win it, take second. And again, if you wanted to win a world title that year, you had to come first when Mark finished second and come second when Mark finished first and then hope that you've won more races than him which is unreal to think of, but that's consistency just dominating. Mm, indeed. And yeah. going into the future, like like I said, we'll we'll touch on it when we do a, a preview preview next year. It it will Quartararo be able to continue that consistency and will other teams and riders not learn from it because it's something you learn yourself, I think, in terms of can they get that consistency up to that kind of level? Because I feel like, again, your Ducati has been... Banyaya obviously had that really good spell towards the end, but it, very hit and miss on on the Ducati. Um, same with every other team, really, or every other rider. <laughs> um, I can't think of one other rider who's been as consistent. Um or in, unless you rins and you're consistently disappointing, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I don't know. It, it's it, it's crazy to think. The more I think about what he's managed to achieve this year, the more it blows my mind. Now that it's all mm-hmm. done and dusted, you know. Now it's all wrapped up. It is crazy. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm not going to play sob story or anything like that. But it's more the fact that Yamaha, being known as this, you know, master sort of manufacturer, years gone by. Uh, the you know the the next best thing to Honda in terms of uh, championships and they the, from twenty mid twenty seventeen to last year just very very up and down up and down and just getting their arse handed to them on a regular basis and to see like the likes of Valentino who have won world titles with Yamaha be you know not slagging them off but sitting there saying you know. 
the the bike's shit basically the the bike's not good mm. enough and mm. you look back at all those historic years and think oh god remember when yamaha were like that and you've seen honda 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 and suzuki win last year and you think yamaha that were your chance if you were going to win that were your chance and then this right. year i thought before the season started before mark had that third operation i thought God, if Mark comes back and he is competitive, that could have been Yamaha's last chance to maybe get a title in. So to see that Ducati have thrown, you know, kitchen sink at it, Suzuki have tried to defend the world title. Mark's come back. Yeah, Mark was never going to win the world title, but Honda have, you know, not come up to the sort of level they should be. And Fabio has done what he's done this year. As a Yamaha, as a Yamaha man, I couldn't be happier mm-hmm. because Japanese Superbike they've won, Moto America they've won. Super Sport, they've won. MotoGP, they've won. Have I missed one? I can't think of I've missed one. That's it. That and it's World Superbikes to go. So if Top Top Rank makes it a clean sweep, it's a good boys for the boys in blue. Put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good year for the boys in blue. A good year for the boys in blue, but for the boys in Suzuki blue blue (laughs) slash Red Bull KTM, kind of a we're doing like Dark a mini blue. a mini review, but yeah, today obviously Petrucci taking out Mia. Luckily, obviously, because nothing matters anymore at this stage in the season. Both the guns and kind of went. Nothing ah, well, matters anymore. I can go get all my leathers out now early. That so was such whatever. a like. <laughs> ah, let's let's not even argue. Let's just go home, wasn't it? Like they both crashed, and they literally <laughs> both just turned around, went hug, like cool, <laughs> yeah. and just. Well, and right. it was funny because uh, Mia had been handed a long lap penalty. Yeah, it was almost like it came up on the message on his dashboard. Long lap pedal was like, Nope, fuck this. It just was like, How'd <laughs> I go? It was like Petrucci. Oh, oh he's finishing this year. He, he probably can't be asked either. It's like, Fuck this. Yeah, it was like, ah, just, I don't, and I don't Petrucci wasn't even mad. Like, Petrucci got like, he just stood up and went, Yeah, he like oh. got up, he like waved his hands, like, Ah, oh, damn. Well, all right, go home. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah, I have actually heard, Matt, that he'll he's coming over to your side of the pond, Petrucci, next year. I've heard I know Petrucci he's going is to racing do, uh... in Moto America on a V four, on a on a uh, on a Ducati next year. Well, he's going to do the Dakar. You say that, but I have I have seen if you go on Moto America's um, Instagram, they posted something earlier about Petrucci, so it might be worth you having a look at that. Hmm. Um, so yeah, you could you could have one of the coolest people. In motorbike history, is, is Moto America like a BSB kind of? Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Don't yeah, see it only... as like, and I'm not taking anything away from it, but don't see it as like you know, MotoGP for America because the tracks are all pretty. Is it like, like the IndyCar of motorbikes? Or pretty much? Yeah. yeah. I don't really watch IndyCar. So uh... I don't to comment, but. I don't mind actually. Well, obviously, we're getting a little. But, but yeah, they're, they're like the tracks are very much like your Cadwell Parks, Alton Parks, sort of like mm, you know what yeah. I mean, like thin, tight, twisty, quite old school. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, back to Suzuki, they need a Davide Brivio replacement desperately. Well, that there's shown... talks that he's thinking about coming yeah. back, but I, I, yeah. I mean, the money that he's on at F1, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know understand... why he would come back. I mean. I don't understand why you would. I mean, unless his aim was to win, to get Alpine to win a race, and then he was like, well, I've achieved it already, so... <laughs> but the thing I... is, like, and don't take this the wrong way, but Suzuki are the smallest factory in Japan by a mile. You know, Honda, yeah, but... Kawasaki, Yamaha are 
I know Kawasaki don't even think it, but they're, they're in terms of size. Yeah. They, you know, they've yeah. not got the money like Honda have to go is X amount a million and just throw money at it. Do you know what I mean? Suzuki aren't that that big, so you can imagine how much money Alpine gave him to say, you know, I know you just won a world title, but do you want to come and you know be a team director for mm. a mid F one team? He, they must have offered him good money. Yeah, to I think there. so. But so, if yeah. he's potentially thinking of coming back, I don't know what that speaks of his assessment of. Alpine or Formula One maybe just thinks actually this isn't my bag. I'd rather go back to doing what I was doing at Suzuki. Maybe he's maybe he didn't realise how much Suzuki needed him. Maybe mm. I don't know, maybe he thought it wasn't as much him as what it's turned out to be. Because clearly going into this season, I think a lot of people thought, ah, he's, he's, it won't make much of a difference without a yeah, I agree. but it's made a huge difference. Mainly because he hasn't replaced day. him. Like directly, Mm-mm. I was just and... about to say. I think that just the sense of direction of if they've had anything come up where you think Suzuki going to get on well at this track, or they look like they're struggling on a Friday, they've sort of not really bounced yeah. back on a Saturday. Think... Do you know what I mean? They've sort of just carried on on that it's... slope. It's because they haven't got that European influence now, really, mm. with Abrivia, because we know the Japanese are quite methodical, but they're quite conservative and. The, the thing is with the that. Japanese theme is is very much like if the, if they if they think that's the right way, they don't go oh scrap it let's go back. They're like no that's the right way we're we'll going with that. Track. It's like right. you'll never see a Japanese manufacturer usually, and if they do, you know they are really scraping the barrel. You'll never see, for example, Honda go into twenty twenty two and say that twenty twenty two chassis is is the bee's knees. That's what's going to work. And then they'll turn around. They're very, very rare, if ever, where you'll see them go, ah, screw it, chuck the 2021 chassis on. They'll say, let's adapt the 2022 one. They'll never say, let's go back. The only time they did mm-hmm. that is when 2015, when Mark didn't win the world title, they started designing the 2016 bike on the 2014 chassis. But they'll never say, scrap the new one, let's go backwards. Then They yeah. don't like going backwards. Whereas Davide would probably say, no, you know, bollocks to that. Do it's, this. But what was interesting, the rear ride height thing, because that yeah. didn't really pay off. Yeah. But the Japanese, they haven't exactly said, we haven't done a European thing of, right, screw this, we're not bothering with it. But they've they've decided, oh, we won't put it on the bike until it's perfected. But yeah, right. it, it seems to have been to the detriment because they haven't really been able to put it through much real world testing to be able to mm-hmm. perfect it. But they seem to be at sea now. They seem to have had that that one good season, and now they're lost at sea. And yeah, um, I'm not. I'm more. I want to say I'm a neutral, but obviously I have a soft spot for Suzuki. I've got a Suzuki top on just because it was on right. sale in the local shop. But I've got it. <laughs> and anyway, and it's hardcore, Josh. Is his hardcore, <laughs> and it's just it is a struggle to see them fall back as much as they have. And I don't know your thoughts, Matt, on. Um, Red Bull KTM. I mean, how did they do to the Oliver? Just quickly, decided... Matt, before you go on to Red Bull KTM, I think with Suzuki, it's more a case of they've not gone back; they've just stagnated. I don't think they've really moved yeah, that far forward. Yeah. And I think Yamaha with a, a start device and the rear uh, height device and whatnot, whatever you want to call it, as well as with Fabio and the bike this year, they've moved forward. Ducati have moved very far forward. I just think Suzuki have sort of kind of sat on the morals and gone, well, Davide is gone. So let's not 
let's not try and you know reinvent the bike let's sort of go mm. with what we've got if it's not broken don't fix it but not really improved not that really much. Push the bar i mean don't get me wrong me is still p3 but yeah. you know you, you can see they've not through the year suzuki have not gone step by step by step whereas last year you know, as soon as Mir kind of got his foot in the door at Austria and got that first podium, just every weekend he, he kind of grew into a better rider. And they've kind of just, I don't know, mm. like, I think like like today, you know, Mir, Mir's not really... A, bit of a, um, a far, not a far out one, but I think Mir's sense an opportunity where if, if Suzuki don't start up in the game, say, next season or the season after, he could maybe see potential to get on that Yamaha if they're still doing something. Because if, if if you think about it, if Mor- Morbidelli doesn't perform and he struggles and that knee just never returns and never returns <laughs> form, who have they got in the second team? You've got Binder and you've got Dovi. So you haven't really got much competition for that. Or top rack, right, if, if whatever yeah, happens if, with that, yeah, I, I guess. guess. If, if yeah. Put but I'd, I'd, I'd pick Mir over top rack. No, no disrespect to top rack, but Mir's a MotoGP world champion, you know what I mean? Mm. And and because the, the Suzuki and the Yamaha are quite similar, I don't think it'd take much for Mia to. I to think Mia'd be adapt. dangerous on a Yamaha. I think mm. he'd be dangerous. I think if 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 Mia signed for Yamaha, I think there'd be a lot of people that would secretly be saying shit. But a lot of people <laughs> that would say that would be like, I don't know how I'll get on. But you'd be sitting there thinking, mm. if he does get on with it, <laughs> that's going to be dangerous. But anyway, right. that's just my. Prediction of the week. Yeah. KTM, <laughs> sorry, Matt, I didn't mean to cut you off. What's your um, general assessment of your boys in orange? I mean, today or overall for the year? Well, I, I mean, if you want to go of... overall for the year, I think we'd be here for another two hours. But... <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe maybe I mean, give today... like a, the, the last term, so to speak, as well as today and going forward. I mean, today... So probably the year, yeah. I mean, Miguel, yeah, started strong at one point, you know... It, and like oh off the off the line it looked like he was going to get the lead and then he sort of just like well pecco and mark came through and then he got behind pole and was like just staying steady and then he crashed on the same lap as pecco didn't show it didn't say, talk you about say it he's crashed but we're all adamant he's on his way to portimao as we speak yeah not see that jet take off in the background like 10 minutes later. <laughs> no, he's just the helicopter the, uh, He's just down the French southern coast now at the minute. He, he's just going through uh, he, he Monte found Carlo. He just turned his bike it through the gate and just rode <laughs> off track. Um, and then Bender got 11th. Um, he had a weird start, didn't he? He crashed on the sighting lap and then... Yeah. Had yeah. To he had to start from pit lane. No, he had to start from the pit lane. Oh, I thought he, no, because I thought he crashed on the sighting lap, and then I heard yeah, that he uh, had to start from the back of the grid. I've got a or what is it called? He the sure race, the, the race report pulled back up here. The grid, I'm sure we did. And it says Brad Bender, Red Bull KTM Factory Racing, had an eventful day. The South African crashed on the sighting lap, started from pit lane, and ended up P11. I, 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 the only thing I'm the reason I'm saying it is because I remember hearing it on BT and they were saying he'll have to start from the back of the grid. So I was just assuming that he, he was. But Binder again. I don't know what it is, Binder. I think KTM in general have had a very, very weird season in general. Yeah. Like they started off awful. And they got Magello the new chassis. Came, and then you and it, yeah, got the new chassis and you thought, and it was like, here we go. Yeah, here <laughs> we go. 
And then we had Magello, we had Catalonia, we had Saxon Ring, and then they just went missing again. Oh, no, actually, they had Austria. Yeah. Sorry, I take it back. They had Austria. And then after but, that, I mean, that's just kind like... of a freak occasion. Yeah, but even still, you know, they still won. But right, um, I don't know. It's just it's very inconsistent. It, it's with just KTM. been such like like a roller coaster of a year. Because yeah. like at, at testing, it was sort of like, well, yeah, they're they're trying all this new stuff. They got the new chassis and all this stuff. And I even think they got a what? Weren't they allowed to like get a new powertrain or something or a new engine? Because I think they um, were one of the teams that was able to like. Use no, a token Aprilia or would have done because they they wouldn't have concessions if they won two races. Yeah, it was okay. just it was just fuel and chassis, wasn't it? I don't know what the fuel thing so. was. I don't know. I heard it was more marketing, and there wasn't really much. Hmm. But in terms of in terms of this weekend, KTM. I mean, obviously Petrucci crashed out because he got wiped out by Mir. Lacona crashed out. Miguel crashed and out. Like and Lacona was doing just... really well in yeah uh, practice. That was one I was like kind of bummed out to see because he like in qualifier was qualifying or one of the practices. I mean, I don't like, want to go too far into it, but it, if you said to me, if you put me in Lynn Jarvis's position at Yamaha, and you said, right, pick two riders for Patronus. Neither two would be Dovey or Darren Binder. One of them would definitely be Laquona because I think if the right. guy, the guy's only got better. Yes, he's crashed out, and I know he, I know he tends to crash out every now and then, but. On his gen like general pace, he is quick enough. And people say, "Yeah, but he crashes out." And I'm like, "Well, Rins crashes out, and Rins is in a factory team. You know what I mean? He's he's kept his seat. He's got a new contract. Rins has Rins has got a contract right. till the end of next year. So, for me, if I know we're talking hypothetical, but Lacona for me, I think is a massive miss to just get rid of him out of the paddock. I really do. I think Darren Binder might do all right. He might do great. Whatever, but." You've got Laquona there that's younger than Binder, experienced in GP, and got better as time's gone on, and you're picking Darren Binder. Yeah, I've not been impressed with KTM's handling of the uh, Fernando no. situation. That was pretty... And Petrucci, really. It, they just sort of been in the dark, weren't they? In fact, they really worked. They did it all, like during a session, didn't they, in Austria? Yeah, yeah was, it was not practice. It wasn't to, anything to do with Tech 3. They, it, was, it went over their heads. Mm. But um, I think... Yeah, and Lacuona, he still deserves something, um, oh. and it would have been it would have been good to keep him on in Tech Three and just let Fernandez go to Petronas. But he definitely doesn't deserve a Honda um, World Superbike. No one deserves that. I won't put them, I won't put my worst <laughs> enemy on that. Jesus. It. I mean, the whole thing with like Lacuona and the Tech Three, like it was all kind of shitty because it wasn't like. Oh well, this rider deserves it. It was all like, well, we have to move these guys around, or we're gonna lose them. Like you got Acosta, you know, come one to come up to Moto Two, and mm. you know, being talented enough to, and it's like, okay, well, we want to move Remy up, and then Raul's threatening to go to Yamaha, and Yamaha's sniffing around, so we got to move him up, otherwise they're gonna take him. It was just such a whole shitty situation, and uh, I don't know. And then you got the uh, stuff about like um, Bender's contract. Like, yeah, I was going to mention that. Apparently, you you probably know more than me on it. That it, it said something that he had to have some kind of 
Yamaha ride or something. I think the, the main thing with it was, and I'm not speaking officially, I'm speaking out of speculation and kind of putting two and two together. I could be getting five. But I think what it was, was if he does a certain amount, like has an X amount of performance and maybe a race win could have been in there. And he has won a race this this. Did he win this year or last year at Barcelona? I think it was this year. Darren Binder. Who? Darren Binder. Did he win this year at Barcelona? Oh, I've... It's been so remember. long, I can't even remember if it was... I think it was this year. Uh, or am I thinking... Oh. I don't know. It could have been last year. I have no idea. Anyway, it, it was basically, you know, with Patronus, I believe it was like, if you do, you know, so well, then we'll we'll bump you up. And because Patronus are now not going into Moto2, and even though they're not in GP, I think it's like, well, my contract says that, and the, the Moto2 team is going. The GP team is staying, even though it's not Patronus. It's the same sort of team. So I think it's sort of like, you've got to go. But I just think that's so far-fetched. I just think, you know, why Why does that... If that was the case, why didn't they say, you know, before Dixon got put into the bubble, look, we've got to move him up. We've got to move Bender up because it's contract, you know, it's contractual, so we have to. Right. I don't know. I think there might be money involved. There might be the fact that Binder can get sponsors. I don't know. But personally, it was Catalunya last year. Last year, yeah. Um, yeah. Personally, I just, for me, I would have had Laquona and Dixon if I had the choice. And that might sound biased, but Jake Dixon, in terms of the progression that he had from the first session in Silverstone to the last session he had in Aragon made i think he was like four seconds off first session in silverstone and then in fp3 or qualifying or whatever in aragon on the old yamaha which is slower than this year's yamaha he was one second off of fabio at aragon that's his second weekend in no testing no right. yeah know. it's it's and not been the best kind of it, it's been poorly handled i think in a, in a way and i think it's mm. just been so unnecessarily dragged on to get to a, a consensus of Dovi because it's Dovi and it's a name and Binder right. because it's Binder and it's a name. Like I, I just, it's I'm not discrediting him. Dovi's a great rider. Darren Binder's a great rider, clearly, but he, I, you'd I don't think know. there isn't a motor three or motor two in, in a sense that the wealth of talent, talent available. It wouldn't be my first pick, put it that way. Right. And I'd, I'll be honest with you, I think if you said to Lynn Jarvis, take every bit of contract out of it, who do you want, you know, in reasonable terms, obviously not just picking anybody, anyone that's free to go to that slot, who would you pick? I don't think he would have picked Darren Binder. I could be wrong, but I don't think he would have been the first pick. But well, maybe we'll find out a bit more. Maybe, Maybe we'll... You know, get some insight from somewhere, and we'll find out what happened. But mm. I do agree with Josh in that I think it's very weirdly come about that it's just like Darren Binder and Dovey, and you've got people like Lacona that's like, yeah, he's not pulling off podiums like Bastianini is and whatnot. But why? Why? Yeah, and Dixon when yeah. Donna want more British people in in MotoGP, but yeah, that's just. An... Someone done mm. that off, but there we are. Yeah, yeah so uh, speaking of, of picks, day. who's your pick for rider of the day? I don't I, I know, go first, because we all... I, I, 
I prefer, as as Mourinho would say, I prefer not to speak. But if I do speak, I won't be in big trouble. I'll just be correct because it's Fabio. So, <laughs> go on then, Matt. All right, but uh, I'm gonna take Brad Bender. Start from pit lane. To start from pit lane, and make it all the way up to eleventh. Yes, mind oh, you. No. You're not wide up, right? You're not. Huh? You're not wide up, right? Bender. I mean, mind you, eight other riders crashed out of the race, but... You've got... Sorry, you've got Paul Spargo again, his first podium with Honda. Yeah. You've got Bastianini, P3, <laughs> a world champion in P4. You've got Rins, for once, in a top six. You've got two Aprilias in top eight. Marini in ninth. <laughs> Rossi, 14, actually in the Rossi, top 32 ten. 32 in, in, 42. in tenth. Well, and you're picking Brad Binder in 11. My lord. Like I said before, my rider of the day just has to matter to me. Who Your did rider I of the think did the best? completely contradicts the concept that I brought in for rider of the day of pick someone you it's... think outperformed or put a solid performance in. I'm going to go with Rossi, personally. Top 10, okay. Sano. From next year, we won't be able to pick him as rider of the day. So I'm picking Valentino Rossi as rider of the day. I, I thought you would have gone with Nakagami back because, again, he crashed out and he did carry on. <laughs> and he still finished the race. Yeah. I mean, he was a minute and 22 seconds behind yes. um, Marquez and he was a full 40 <laughs> seconds off the person in front of him. But he did carry on and try his hardest. So I think for that... I just thought it was funny that... I just thought it was funny that everyone in the race earned a point. Everyone right. who finished the race got a point because there was only yeah. 15 bites left. High rate of attrition on that race. Yeah. Hurry. <laughs> Michael Pirro was in the race. Oh, yeah, was it? Just, you wouldn't have thought. I would I totally forget. I heard his there. name come up at one point. I'm like, when did he get put in? Where the hell? <laughs> he just got on the bike and just snuck out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so. Uh, Moving to MotoGP Fantasy. Uh, I Just whilst Matt's getting that up, I, I completely forgot. I've got two boosts left, so if anyone's got any tips for me to use my boosts on... Who have I got in my team? I've got Peko, I think, Fabio, and... Peko, Fabio, Jack Miller, and Johan Zarco. Okay, with so Yamaha as your tips, team. Yeah, if anyone's got any tips, I'm going to put my really double on. Cool. I think I'll probably put it on... Actually, do I put it on Fabio? I feel like he'll just... Sack off Portimao, just go on the piss the whole weekend. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know who to pick. But basically, I've got two two boosts left to get me nowhere out of my... Realistically, even if I use my boost, I won't move from fifth. And if I move further down from fifth, it means nothing anyway. I don't really care. But, yeah. The fantasy means oh. diddly squat to me. I mean, <laughs> that Ant-Man pretty much won it from round two onwards. So. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, Ant-Man's got one 1,600... 83. She's in the second with 1,581. So I even think I'm near you're a like 102 points back. No, you ha- no, you're in a thousand. Yeah, everyone is from eighth place up. But uh, Matic right. Motorsports is in third with uh, 1,541. I'm in fourth with 1,538. So this is where it's getting kind of hot because uh. I scored 121.5 points this weekend. Which is the highest of anyone this weekend. So, yes. 
<laughs> you get a singular then, clap for me. Yeah, and then Bono, you're on uh, 1,399.5 with Takanaka Wakagami coming up behind you with 1,373. So cool. You might keep fifth if you keep if you try. <laughs> but yeah, I had, and it was funny because when after qualifying, I was so like, I'm looking at my team, I'm like. I'm screwed. I'm so screwed this weekend because I had Anea Bastianini and Quattara as my gold with Ducati as my team and Jorge Martin and Brad Bender as my silvers. I'm like, I'm screwed. I'm done for the week. This is going to be, this is going to suck. And then Bastianini got 42 points. I love how we just breeze. I mean, I know I mentioned it, but we've kind of just breezed past the fact that that guy is just on yeah. complete different. Oh, what he it. did on the last lap, oh. like, Whenever, so what was it? I think it was not turn 15. It was turn 14 team. that he lunged on Fabio, yeah. but you could see Fabio. Yeah, he sort came of like, like, actually, no, I don't know why. Because Fabio's leg came up and I went, like, my heart skipped a beat. And I'm like, oh no. Because I saw, all I thought of was like, oh, is Anaya going to like knock him off or something? Or is Fabio trying to like sit it up and he's gonna tip it over and yeah, crash what a somber out? Yeah, that would have been like, yeah, you're a world title now. Nah, fuck off, like, <laughs> not Ducati, like this is for well, Bania. Yeah, but like if he would have crashed out, he wouldn't have. Well, no, because he would have finished it, it been world title anyway. Yeah, it yeah, it's it would have been a world two points. It's just not possible. Um, yeah, but yeah, it was just if like he did that, it and was just saw like the end of the year. It'd be like. Yeah, Jack Miller's contract's been terminated. Bastianini to factory team. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I do think, uh, quickly, my prediction for next year is if Jack Miller doesn't challenge the world title and Martin is on the form that he's in, I think he will not be a factory rider past 2022. No, he'll be gone. Too much time. I think, I, I think, I think because Martin will be that hot property that other factories oh, will yeah. be saying... We'll have a piece of that, and, and then he'll like, need to move yeah. up. And Marini's starting to look more comfortable now. There's just too much. There's too much pressure in that Ducati pipeline. Thing so, is, that is going to become so much pressure being Ducati rider. I know it already is, but you're mm -hmm. going to have six other Ducati riders that are going to be basically trying to take your seat at all times. Mm. That is going to be Crazy. hard. That is going to be a difficult seat Very to try and hold so. on to. Um. One final thing from me, anyway, quickly is more of a somber note. But obviously, this weekend was ten years since uh, Marco passing, so I just wanted to kind of pay our respects and tributes because I remember watching that race. Um, me too. Yeah, and it was a it was a sad race, very emotional, um, mm. and we lost a character that day. Um, we lost a probably future world champion in my book. We lost. We lost almost like a, a younger Rossi, really. Um, they were mm. best mates, and they were—he was—they were very similar, but obviously Simicelli had his own unique style and personality, and you know, taken far too far too soon, really. Um, just getting into the prime of his his kind of career, uh, yeah. yeah. And it's it's been a quick ten years, really, because it's it's crazy how it, it's been ten years, but a somber note as well um, on that one. Yeah, I, on from that, I, I remember watching that race. It's one of those, and I even mentioned it the other day, where I remember, you know, there's certain things that happen in your life where you, you sit there like years on and you can remember 
like everything you were doing mm. that day like yep. what everything yeah it, it that is like that for me i remember because my dad was working abroad and i remember he rang me um that night and he'd not like watched anything of it and i remember just like you know how do i what do i even say to that <laughs> like i just like you know it's so so sad because Simoncelli was one of those where and i put it on twitter that the paddock feared him but it wasn't like a dangerous thing or anything it was the fact that he was this huge character that everyone adored but you knew when that helmet was on he was so like he was just so good to watch like he was he was on a a satellite mm-hmm. bike and he'd be outperforming like because that that year there was like three factory hondas there was Dovey, pedroza and stoner and he'd be like outperforming them at times and even like the week before he passed away he finished second to stoner at phillip island and just yeah just so he sad just, i know i know it's 10 years prime. old but yeah, he, yeah i mean i think he was like 24 when he passed away 24 and you've got people like look at fabio now he was 23 22 wasn't he? 23 yeah. 22 something like that and you know Simoncelli was such a character. Like he was one of them that the the minute he won or like or not won, sorry, if he if he was like on the podium or in Park Fermi, you he was one of them riders you couldn't wait to watch an interview for because he was just, just so, so full of him. energy and so happy. For, yeah, because he was almost like the pantomime villain. Where if you went to Spain, I think he got pole position in Spain that year at Catalonia, and he got booed because he was so aggressive to people like. Pedroza and whatnot to the Spanish crowd, he was so aggressive that he was just booed. He was like hated for it. But you kind of like you wanted him to get pole, and you were glad that mm. he did because it was like you're proving him wrong. And he he never hated them. He never took it personally. No, he didn't. You know, he was almost always had a smile on his face. Always sort of like took it in his stride. I'm Marco. I'm who I am. He wasn't arrogant. Really like happy-go-lucky guy. And I know it's sort of hindsight thing to say, but. It was one of them that when it happened, it couldn't have happened to a better, like, you know, to such a, not a better guy, yeah. but like such do, a character. Do you remember like, that? No one deserves it at all, of course. Do you remember but... that faster documentary? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Pedrosa in it, he refused to shake yeah. Simoncelli's hand after that in- incident. And yeah, and there's like Stoner and Ben like, Spees in the background sort of like And he said it's like, like one of the biggest regrets of his life because it, it, in the end, at the end of the day, it, you know what I mean? It was insignificant, really. Mm. Um, like Pedroso took it to heart that he was aggressive with him, but he looks back at it and he sees a, a guy that, even if he was aggressive, he still tried to make amends for it mm. and unfortunately lost his life. And yeah. it, it, again, I, I do remember it happening and just being like, of all the people for it to happen to, again, you don't want it to happen to anybody, of course, but like, honestly, if he was in the paddock now with how big social media is, he would be huge. He oh, would be absolutely massive. massive. And he would no be, he was like the same, he's like the same age group as um, Dovey. And you imagine, like, Dovey's always been quite a private guy. He's not really sort of, you know, social media sort of guru. And I just, that is something I do think about Simoncelli. I just think he, he's still got a brand now that people love and people that did watch him now still adore him. Just what could have been? Just what could have been? I mean, what a rider, what a guy. And again, he would genuinely make because I was a kid, you know, when I, when I was watching Simoncelli, yeah, yeah, I was exactly. 10, 10, 11 yeah. years old when he passed away, and I just remember like watching interviews after the race, and if he was on the podium, 
you just loved it because he, you know, he'd be he'd be laughing and joking and whatnot. And most people would finish second and third and be so peeved off that they'd not won. And he'd just be like laughing about something completely insignificant to what had happened. And yeah, honestly, the fact that that's been 10 years blows my mind. But again, I never forget where I was the whole day and whatnot when it happened and just, yeah, the, never a nice thing. I mean, his dad, his dad is literally, when you look at his dad, he's the same guy that was 10 years ago when you saw him on the pit wall with Marco's, you know, San Carlo group. The fact that his dad's carried on doing what he's doing with the academy and the team and sort of carried on his legacy is so good to see. I'm so glad that he's still got that, you know, it's not almost been forgotten about. Do you know what I mean? Mm. He's still got a name and it's, you know, it's well carried. So just to sort of end it on that note, uh, I second what Josh says and pay our full respects to the 10th year anniversary of Marco. Uh, yes, I'm, I wasn't following MotoGP uh, when he passed away. I didn't even know MotoGP was a thing at that point. You know, but it, it's always sad whenever you, when like when those times come up where you have to mm. like, you know, remember you know people who have passed but one cool thing i read um the other day was the fact that without him passing away vr46 may not be a thing today Mm. because when he passed away that was like one of the things that pushed rossi to start the vr46 academy yeah so i mean it was. It always uh, sucks, but it sometimes when those tragedies happen, well, beautiful yeah. things can come out of them. I mean, what was worse about it, about the tragedy, is it was a week after. You might you you'll remember this as well, Matt. It, it was a week after Dan Weldon died in IndyCar. Mm. Um, so it was kind of the people who were into motorsport, all types of motorsport, were still reeling from that because he was a well loved, well known figure in the IndyCar world, yeah. and. For that to happen straight after a week afterwards, it was like just a double whammy. It just made everything just ten times worse than it already was. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you if anybody listening to this, or for you, Matt, that didn't didn't follow GP back then, just to give a an insight to how big of a character and how much that guy was loved, all you've got to do is look at the tribute they paid to him in Valencia the next race. You had everyone in that paddock. Yeah out not you know how and I'm, I'm not saying that they don't respect them or anything but in recent events you might see majority of people out and it's, it's it's crammed and whatnot when they come out and pay respect you go and watch that at valencia and not one single person did not not come mm. out for that that tribute he, and everyone right. went around the track yeah and you know everyone was, was out for it in fact he was when you say pantomime villain he was because i remember my dad used to nickname him sideshow bob <laughs> and it was similar because it, you know, Sideshow Bob was a villain in the Symptoms, but everyone Simpsons, but everyone loved him, you know, and everyone yeah. was always happy to see him in an episode. And it was kind of the same with Simoncelli because he had the crazy hairdo and whatnot. Yeah, it was, it it was similar. Everyone loved to hate him if you did hate him, and I didn't. But even people who did hate him loved to hate him. So, yeah, um, yeah, I thought I'd mention that because I, I realized we'd not mentioned it, and yeah, somber, somber note to end it. But the, but the right yeah, note thanks, to end Josh. it on, definitely. Yeah, no, no, definitely. for sure, for sure, the def- definitely the right, <laughs> right way to end it. I know we've had, you know, I see this 
as what I put on Twitter, like this has been a great weekend for me because of like my personal life and whatnot. Um, and because of Fabio winning a world title, but it's still good to look back on these things and reflect on the fact that it's 10 years since we lost such an important figure in the yeah. sport that we all come round and, and talk to you. You know, we, we sit and chat here every week and speak for hours on end on discord and on Twitter about this sport. And you look at certain aspects like the VR 46 Academy and like these certain characters that you've got. And I look back and think there's people like Marco that molded that to make it normal to be that sort of character. Like Rossi, you see all these like special liveries, special helmets, special celebrations wouldn't happen because of Rossi. And you see these like flamboyant characters that play the pantomime villain. That is Simoncelli. That is literally Simoncelli. Like he made right. that mold of character normal, but mm. such an admire, like admirable figure in that paddock. Like he, yeah. he was so just adored by people, just in he general. And he, you, you didn't even have to be Italian or no. you know any sort of link to him. And you liked seeing the fact that he proved people wrong. He was just that guy. You got that scent, like that attachment to him. He was so good. Yeah. I think people, a piece of MotoGP died that day, and a lot of people were then eager to move on to a thousand CC new kind of era to kind of move move on and move away because it, it left a a lot of people don't like the eight hundred CC era simply because of that incident, and people it it put, put a massive you know blotch on that. Similar, actually. We're on the subject of Misano and, and Somber Notes with, if you follow Nakagami on Instagram. Tomizawa, yeah. Tomizawa. Um, I remember, yeah. I, again, like, that's like, I remember one. that I rem- one as well. I remember and it clear as day. I remember Scott Redding thing, flying through that right-hander yeah. and sort of... And the worst thing about it just... is Oof. most incidents, you kind of think, oh, he'll, he'll not walk it off, but he can, he'll come out of that. Whereas as mm. soon as that happened, I thought, oh, yeah. that's, that's... It sounds so bad, Josh. I know what you mean, but I, it was one of them that... They were filming that corner live, so they couldn't not show it. It was sort of it happened, so yeah. it, that was it. And I second it in saying, as soon as I saw that body be made contact with, there was not one part of me that thought he's getting up. And it sounds so bad, but it was just that sort of image that it, the the split second of bike before hitting him, bike hitting him, and seeing the body after it. I cannot get out of my head and never yeah, have been I've able to get out of my head. It, and I can still, I can still picture it, it perfectly in thinking he's gone. And it sounds yeah, so sad, it. but you just knew it was one of them. It was such a bad contact that you couldn't sit there and think, oh, you'll be fine. Because if he wasn't, you knew deep down that he was never going to be, you know, he'll walk up and run off. Do you know what I mean? You knew it was going to be bad, whatever it was. Um, Yeah, exactly the same thing. And, another one of those days where I just, I can't, I, since seeing that and the Simoncelli one, as soon as you say those two names, I think of Tomazawa, great character, happy-go-lucky guy. I think of that, but the other 50% of me cannot get the image out of my head of where I was on the, you know, on that day, where I was sat, the people around me and physically and visually seeing that in front of me. I cannot get that sort of thing out of my head. I just can't. I can't not relive that in the moment, in a split mm. second, because they're the sort of things that just, like you say, a, a piece of me and a piece of the sport died on the same day yeah. that they did, because they were, yeah. you know, it's just 
such a somber note to end it on, but at the same time, it is that they are the the sort of things that it's worth they shouldn't be forgotten and, about. They shouldn't and, just be you know yeah breezed over it, and sort of let's not mention it because it's sensitive. That you know they're important to mention. Yeah, it's it's worth. I thought it was worth mentioning, but um, yeah, it, it, it's you know we've had our ups and downs in terms of this episode <laughs> and what we've just dis- what we've discussed, but uh, we've we've covered all bases. Um, I think Matt's just moving around quickly, but he should see us out in a second once he's. Um, um, no, I'm good. He's good. He's back. He's back in. Yeah. But um, yeah, I got that off my chest, which is what I wanted to do. Um, yeah, yeah, and like Bono said, it, we we couldn't you know finish off an episode and not talk about it. Mm. And it's by the way, just before we do sign off, I speak for the the, the other two lads as well that we do not in any shape or form tick boxes when we're saying this we ain't we ain't just saying it to you know it, it's it's a bigger th- big thing so we need to talk about it we talk about what we feel is important and what we want to talk about it's you know it's our podcast so we it might sound blunt but we pick what we want to talk about and if we think that this is close to us or it affects us or you know that's why we do it we don't do it for the sake of you know being politically correct and sort of like appealing to a sponsor or anything like that, mm. you know, we're doing it because of the love for what we come around and speak to, we speak about every week and, you know, that side of things. So I'm just going to clear that up. We ain't just doing it so we're like, oh, we've nearly forgot. We need to mention it. We do it because we want to mention it. Mm. We don't need to mention mm-hmm. it. Right. Yeah, so that'll do it for today's episode. So with that, keep the throttle pinned.